Hello. This is episode 7 of Alan's Eyes and Ears, and I'm Professor Alan, your host. On this episode, we are going to examine what are perhaps the most overlooked, the most dismissed, the most ignored, the most passed over pages in comic books. That's right. The dreaded prose stories. And we're going to focus this episode on sad sack prose stories. And since this episode will be released on the last day of November, we can, maybe on a technicality, consider this our hashtag War Comics Month episode. Now, I don't have a long intro here for a couple of reasons. One, you know, the concept of the episode, the premise, is explained after the break, so we don't need to talk a lot about that here. And also, our special guest is our good buddy, the irredeemable Shag. And I don't know if you know this about him, but that fella can talk. So let's just say this episode is going to be uh, full length. So no feedback in this episode, but keep those cards and letters coming as there will be a feedback section at the start of next episode. That one, Eyes and Ears number eight, will be our annual review episode this year in reading. So, this is a good time to take a quick break, and after this podcast promo, I'll be back. And like I said, be afraid, be very afraid, because I won't be alone. To confront the ultimate killers, I must construct the ultimate alias. Hey, who is that lady? I think she could fly. To combat the murderers who destroy my family, crush my own life on their way to consuming everything, I must become a greater, more fearsome destroyer. Hey, man, somebody killed this lady. To track down the animals who prey on the innocent, I must stalk them first. I am no longer their quarry. I am the Huntress. New Huntress Podcast, coming to you in 2019. Visit thehuntress89.blogspot.com for new episodes. Go to the Facebook page, at Huntress Podcast. Go to Twitter, The Huntress Podcast. And you can always find episodes of The Huntress Podcast at rightonnetwork.com. And go to Apple iTunes, where this podcast is a joint venture with the Helena Bertinelli podcast and the Cassandra Kane Bad Girl podcast. So go to Apple Podcasts, the Bad Girl slash Huntress podcast. And we're back. And by we, I don't just mean myself and my stack of coverless kitty comics. For I am joined this episode by one of my favorite people 
in all of comic book podcasting. You probably know him from his side gig as an internet foot model. It's the irrepressible shag. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show, Professor Allen. I, I like irrepressible. That's good. That works for me. Well, welcome back to the network. Always good to chat with you. Settling uh, in for a nice four-hour-long discussion. I'm excited. Woo! Well, specifically, I wanted to welcome you to this brand new show, Alan's Eyes and Ears, because this is an idea for a podcast that nobody's ever done before. So I'd like to oh. just ex explain it to you. Okay. Because I think you'll be interested. Mm -hmm. The idea is that I just talk about any topic that I want to. Whatever strikes my geekily you know, fancy. And I'm so excited to have created this idea out of whole cloth completely on my huh. own. I've it's... even come up with a motto. I've, I've come up with a motto. It's okay. Kind of like a sort of a mission statement. I, I know you yeah. have a background in marketing. So I'd love to get your feedback. I call it, now get this. Mm -hmm. Discovering your happiness. Oh, that's good. Rolls right off the that's tongue. Pre that's pretty good, huh? Yeah. So... Anyway, I, I, I have not been keeping up with what you've been doing the past I, year or so. So do you have any new shows or anything like that we should know about? I just feel like your idea, I feel like you're ripping off Andy Leyland's Palace of Glittering Delights. Uh, I mean, you know, that's really kind of what yeah, his show's all yeah, about. It's probably, it's probably the only only other thing I can think of. Yeah, yeah, um, I that, think so. I like that, huh? Note to Weird. Andy. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> No, I felt the need to find my joy. Thus, you are irrepressible because you've oh. been finding your joy. I know what you I, I know what you've been doing these last few years. You've been finding your joy. I have. I've been doing shows like Once Upon a Geek where I get to talk about whatever I want, anytime, and it has to be something That's that a, I enjoy. Because we That we, is a great idea. Well, think about it. we wasted so many years being angry nerds, right? Like, oh, I don't like the yeah. direction of this comic the way it's going now. Like, no, there, we have a little enough time left on the planet. Just enjoy the stuff we enjoy and, for you know, ignore the stuff we don't. That's why I don't talk to you very often. Oh, whoops. Wait a minute. Was that out loud? What? I was told that Val would be here, and that's the reason I showed up. But Oh, yes. Well, you know. I got hoodwinked. <laughs> she was told Gutierrez would be here. So anyway, <laughs> you know, I think we're all settling. Okay. <laughs> Just like she did on her wedding day. But anyway, hey, wow, did I say that? Wow. Dude. Irredeemable strikes. <laughs> so the idea of this episode, which maybe could be an occasional mini-series of, of shows, is I wanted to talk about those most disregarded of comic book pages. Because obviously the story pages, that's what we normally talk about on these podcasts but also the advertisements they get regular treatment especially the hostess ads of course oh yeah whoop, whoop. letters pages are referenced and reviewed and somebody can't remember seriously was it on bailey's network maybe it was fire and water did you do a letter hack episode or something like that no uh bailey and paul hicks okay. did one it was fantastic Paul Hicks was right. supposed to launch a whole podcast on it, but anyway. I guess we're waiting for letter hacks. Okay. Yeah, so, it is. Those pages have been talked about. Stan Soapbox, the Publishorials, they've been discussed before. Mentioned at the very least, of course, the ads, house ads especially. You know, we talk about those when we get to them. But there is a feature existing in many comics of the late 60s through the 70s that we all almost always just skip right over <laughs> these are the text 
stories. And Shag is here because I know that you, my friend, are someone who is not afraid of stories without pictures. This is true. I do like I do like the words. I am a fan of the words. <laughs> now, you may remember this, but one of our very early podcast interactions. The book guys. The, the book guy show where we talked. Well, actually, you 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 talked. Um, <laughs> I, I think I asked one question about Doctor <laughs> Who fiction, and you spent the rest of the 40-minute segment answering that one question. Is that how you remember that as well? That is exactly how I remember that. I feel terrible, <laughs> but someone foolishly gave me the soapbox to talk about Doctor Who novels, which I never get to talk about. And so I just... Blah. There's a parallel Earth where you are still answering that question from eight <laughs> years ago. Has so. it been eight years? Really? That, uh, wow, that's crazy. Might be longer than that, actually. Yeah, could be. It could be. I do see you also on Goodreads. Yep. You post your regular, your reading history there as well. Very excited. At the time of this recording, I have just completed my 33rd book of 2023, and my goal was 25. So I Very feel good. good. Very good. I do not update the site as often as I should. I was literally three years behind at oh, the gosh. start of this year, and I went on a binge. I got caught up from just before COVID to the start of the year. And of course, now I'm about 33 books behind. <laughs> <laughs> so I will update them at least at the uh, at the end of the year. But I really should do it as I go. That's kind of the point. That well, it helps keep track of it. The point. Like it I, I was just thinking the other day, like I can't remember a book I read six months ago already. I've already forgotten it. So uh, having it there as a reference is great. So other than sci-fi reads or like tie-in novels, Mm -hmm. uh, what else strikes your fancy prose wise are you a reader of non-fiction biographies world Actually, war ii novels or is it all sexy vampire fiction um none of the above there in that category <laughs> you had it right when you said sci-fi <laughs> sci-fi and tv movie times i mean the fact is i get enough of real life in my day-to-day -day, and i should be a better person to read non-fiction read biographies i just i've tried they just don't tend to capture my imagination. So I live in the world of sci-fi and I live in the world of uh, TV movie tie-ins. That's where, and I'm okay with that. I've come to the point in my life where I realize I'm, you know what? I don't have to be ashamed of that. Very good. We support that. But these pro stories in comics, let's be honest, on a percentage basis, zero to 100, how often in your reading from this era, in 60s and 70s mostly, how frequently... If you just skipped over these pages, I'll be honest. For me, it was about a hundred percent until I started till I started thinking about this episode. I don't think I'd ever read a single one of them till about a month ago. Is there a percentage higher than a hundred that we could use? Because uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure I sampled one at some point and read like the first paragraph and said, "Nope, not for me." and moved on <laughs> as a kid i don't even remember i mean i know these text pieces existed but like and i can remember panels from lots of comics that i read as a kid i have no recollection of the text pieces even existing as a kid like i yeah. i must have just literally skipped right over them and they made again less impression than a hostess ad yep. less impression than a crisis house ad less impression than julius irving and rick barry playing basketball i mean there are lots of things <laughs> in the comic books from 50 years ago we do remember dingo boots um <laughs> so if if nobody nobody's reading these text pieces why they put them in comics oh uh, shag i'm glad you read your script um 
as, as, as many people may know some, uh, some of this, this was a workaround for postal regulations, where if you had enough prose, basically two pages in a okay. standard comic book, you could get your periodical classified as a magazine, which had a lower postal rate than a comic book. And as I think about that, and I think about circulation statements that I've also looked at, the number of actual mail order subscriptions is tiny. Mm. This, wouldn't, this wouldn't be for delivery, I wouldn't think. This would just be for mail. So I, I'm, 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 I'm confused about, I mean, uh, about how much this could have saved because literally in comics that have 300,000 copies printed, it's usually less than a thousand mail subscriptions, a couple hundred maybe. So I'm I'm kind of confused about where the cost benefit works out. So here's a crazy thing. One of the stories that we're reading today has the statement of circulation on it. I've got it in my it hands. Is. Okay. So to give you a perspective of of this is this is for Sad Sack uh, issue number two thirty one. I think is what it says. I can't quite tell. Anyway, it's nineteen seventy one. And the deal is they are printing, uh, let's see, 350,000 copies wow. of this comic, okay? Which, no, that number is staggering. But yeah. when you, as you said, as you go down here and you look at the number of issues they are printing for mail order subscription, you know, it's quoting all these big numbers and all these different things. I kid you not, it says 54 copies. Average number of copies, each issue preceding 12 months for mail subscriptions, 54 copies. So how is the postage? How much could they have saved? Right. That is insane. 15 cents a copy max. Now, That's... could they have saved money shipping stacks of hundreds to uh, the newsstands? So. I guess so. I guess so. If, if you're not doing the physical distribution, I guess you have to mail them to your distributor. So maybe yeah. that's, where the, that's where the cost saving might come in. It's, but it's that must be. That's because crazy. It can't, just, it can't just be the mail order. It has to be. Not for those 54 be, uh, people. <laughs> bigger than that. <laughs> you know, for a brief time, I was one of those. Not for Sad Sack. Oh, okay. But I, I subscribed to one or two. You can, you can, you can tell them in, in, in your comic collection, right? Because they're folded right down the middle. Mine were Firestorm that I got in the mail. They actually came in a brown <laughs> wrapper, which, you know, looks a little questionable back then, right? Now. And they came flat. But although, I guess to get in the mailbox, it probably was still in the like mailbox halfway. Is the thing, yeah. 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 I have found a few, but very few, in DC and Marvel books. Okay, and I'm guessing the letter pages, you know, would would count, or ah. the soapbox or the Daily Planet, because again, it doesn't have to be fiction. I think I think it just has to be words, non-advertising words, is probably okay good enough. And I, I would imagine that's where some of those ideas spring from. You know, we have to not only do we have to fill the 17 to 22 pages of content we've got these two other pages we have right. to fill with something well you um, know thinking about it there were other things like the treasury editions would have articles and i'm like i remember i had the battlestar galactica yeah. treasury edition i own had several articles in there the star wars ones i maybe did um a, a lot of those first issues where they don't have letters pages yeah you'd often have that one page behind the scenes from the editor or the creator yeah. talking about the concept and how it came to be I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure all of that would would qualify for this mm. so the ones that i found have been in harvey's and you know gold keys those sorts of things i've never found one in a dell i think it is 
okay. because they always have like a center. It's like a four page. Well, it's a, one sheet, but folded into four pages that have some sort of fact page and hmm. jokes from readers or puzzles. So again, it's, I assume that all qualifies to meet this, meet this regulation as well. Bizarre, utterly bizarre. Now on the postage regulations, last time I checked, maybe it was a few years ago, but comic books still being discriminated against at the post office, because technically I'm not here to judge and I'm not actually a lawyer. But <laughs> comic books generally do not qualify for that discounted media mail rate. That it's again, insane. it applies to books and magazines. Now, unofficially, I think I understand that a comic book without outside ads, that's part of it as well, might hmm. legally qualify for that rate, but it's it's what but the point is the post office hates comic books and it always has first you cliff clavin i feel bad i recently mailed a bunch of comics somewhere and uh they they asked what was it? i said books and they said we'll send it media mail so i yep, guess i yep. i made it committed a federal offense i'm not telling i'm not recording that whoops uh-oh sorry about that i knew podcasting <laughs> would be the death of me <laughs> As I was reading these and sort of coming up with this idea, and I had a bunch of sad sacks. Mm -hmm. And I know that you were the right guest for this, for that as well. So <laughs> how long have you been a sad sack of a man? Sorry, a sad sack man. <laughs> sad, a sad sack man. What draws you to this character? I know you are a fan. I am. I am. It goes back to my childhood. Uh, I was reading these things. Must have been the mid-70s. I don't know, late 70s. And somewhere in my family, I inherited a stack of Harvey comics. No clue how, no clue where. Uh, you know, had some of this stuff, had some Richie Rich, you know, whatever else. I don't remember at this point. But I, and I just adored the Sad Sack comics. I just loved them. And I then, you know, they stopped publishing like around 82, right? Harvey right. goes under. So they just disappear. I never see him again. I never see him in 50 cent bins. You know, we just talked about the circulation numbers. 30, you know, 350,000 copies, right? Per issue. By the way, at one point he had seven books on the shelf. Right. Which Richie Rich looks at and laughs. But right. still, it's a, it's a cute number. It's right. a cute little number. Batman <laughs> is jealous though. So, uh <laughs> So there's, you know, if now they weren't all every month. Some were like bi-monthly yeah. and quarterly, whatever. But I mean, seven different Sad Sack comics, 350,000 copies per issue. And I never see them in the 50 cent bins anywhere. They've just literally, you see them, obviously, because you mail them to me. Uh, they've, yeah. they've vanished. I lost track with them until I started podcasting. And we got talking about funny books yeah. and stuff on a couple episodes with different people. And my memories came back a Sad Sack. And then I started seeking them out. And I did find some. And then again, folks, Professor Allen has mailed me so many care packages. I sent him a picture <laughs> last night of the stack of Sad Sacks I have. <laughs> and I got to say, three quarters of those probably came from him. I don't know. I mean, I mean, just incredibly generous to send those to me. And I, they bring me so much joy. And I love them. They're just funny because, you know, he's... The whole thing with Sad Sack is, well, first of all, what it, his name means, first of all, is Sad Sack of uh, is what that means, because it's, the whole idea in the military is he's just a guy who who's inept. He's just stupid, because the thing about him is he tries. He genuinely tries. He's a good guy. He's not trying to slack off. He's not trying to be a layabout. Generally tries to do the right thing. and It all goes wrong. And usually there's a lot of physical comedy in that. And I just like watching people fall down. It makes me laugh. <laughs> And so the Sad Sack comic brings me joy. 
And we have all had bosses like the Sarge. Yes, we have. <laughs> Absolutely. We can all, all identify with that, that relationship, with that mm-hmm. dynamic. Very much so. My side of the story. Uh, I was, was going to uh, say, I did you ever read Satsack or anything? Or I remember all the Harveys. I remember those uh, uh, growing up. Not a huge uh, a collector or, or really strong memories. They were just something I read mm-hmm. and disposed of, as opposed to Archie, which always stuck with me. Okay. You know, in terms of that. But one of my main sources for cheap comics these days, 50 cents, don't tell Stella, um, <laughs> is the store Pulp Reality in Ooh. Lancaster, Ohio. Okay. And, and I remember one time there, I found a handful of sad sacks, probably ones that eventually made their way to Florida. And <laughs> I took, I, Took them up to the register, and it wasn't the owner; it was you know the second the the, the manager. Mm-hmm. And he he looked at him and said something like, "Huh, Bill must have missed these ones," because it turns out that the owner has a buddy who is a huge <gasps> sad sack fan, and any that come in the store goes to him first. So these ones either got by him or passed his inspection or whatever, and ended up in the in the cheap bins, but. I do occasionally find them there, but uh, uh, few and few and far between. I wonder if there are like this fellow, like you. I wonder if there are fans, if there are collectors. They just are not in circulation. Well, I think a lot of it is got to be um, that back then the the kids' comics, the funny comics, they were disposable. They were not yeah, intended yeah. to be kept. You know, whereas uh, the superhero ones by the mid seventies were becoming collectibles. I mean, just to give you an idea on the volume, I mentioned right all these different series sets I had. Right, so I counted up one day. Uh, Harvey published roughly amongst all the seven ongoing series, they published roughly seven hundred and fifty issues of different sad sack comics. Now let's now I told you the the the, the other run was three hundred and fifty thousand. Let's just be generous and say it's two hundred thousand. You know, in, on an average, that's one hundred and fifty million sad sack comic books in existence. And they're nowhere. It's not like some guy sitting on these things. It's just not yeah, possible. Yeah. The ones that I get, the ones that you get through me or th- wherever. I mean, the covers often falling apart. They're drawn on there. As we say, they were well loved. As our friend uh, Scott Gardner would say, whipped uh, whatever sad sack is full of. Sure. Uh, um, well, well, Todd used to own one of these issues. I know because his name's on it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love those ones. <laughs> the saddest is the advertisement page in the middle that where the kid has filled in the coupon, but it's still in there. Oh, oh, that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. <laughs> I mean, they had such high hopes for sea monkeys or subscription or whatever it was. Never came to pass. I did that a few times myself. It was always the little soldiers. Like, you would get 350 <laughs> soldiers for 10 cents. Or, like, I'd fill that out and it never happen. <laughs> now, I am I am curious. You did, you did touch on this. Mm-hmm. How do you sad sack fans feel? about beetle bailey fans i mean do you guys regularly rumble with those losers or oh it's a crips and bloods for sure uh without a doubt <laughs> uh i don't know any beetle bailey fans actually you know that's that's interesting to say I, I imagine there's a couple out there who have nothing better to do with their lives but uh us sensac fans first of all we came first you know sad sack goes all the way back to 1942 whereas mm. beetle bailey wasn't created until 1950 and beetle bailey's whole shtick is he's lazy is that he right. doesn't want to try. 
Who wants that? Who wants that out there defending our country? Nobody. We don't want that kind of soldier protecting our country. We want a guy who's doing his best and, you know, things don't go his way. So Sadzak is clearly the preferred choice. <laughs> Maybe not in the public consciousness as much anymore, but hey, that's not our fault. Based on that uh, Doctor Who situation that we mentioned a few minutes ago, I hesitate to ask this, but how extensive is your sad set collection does it go beyond comics and could you keep the answer under 25 minutes please i will do my best i'm not making any promises <laughs> now um the vast majority of my collection is comics that came oddly enough from ohio but then i have a couple of really special items one over First, I'm going to tell you a little bit of history. See, this is where it gets, it grows. Okay. Anyway, so Sad Sacks created in 1942 by Sergeant George Baker. All right. And it, it was published. There's a long story to it. I won't go into it, but ends up in a magazine called Yank. And it became, it became the most popular feature in there. So much so that they collected them. So that's where my collection comes in. They published a book that I've got in my possession from, oh, I told you last night. I can't remember now. Is it 1944? I think it was. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a collection of Sad Sack comics from 1944. And it's a hardcover. It's beautiful. It's this nice little hardcover. It's tons and tons of Sad Sack comics. Back when there weren't words, they were all just uh, right. they called pantomime. It was all just pictures. And they would, uh, they published them in Yank. They would put them in this hardcover. And then, so I have that hardcover, which I love. I bought it in Portland, Oregon at the uh, Powell Bookstore. It's it's a beloved item of mine. Then you know, the same comic strips are republished in a really cool package, which was the Armed Services Edition. This is where they would print a small little collection of the strips. And by small, I mean it's, I mean physical dimensions. It's really thick as far as how many pages are in there. But it was it, dimensions are small. The whole point was it was to fit in a soldier's pocket, which is super right. cool that they're you know they made it practical so it could fit in a soldier's pocket. Got a, a ton of Sad Sack cartoons in there because Sad Sack was so popular with the troops that uh, in, that they published them and would send them overseas. So the guys had them to read and carry around with them. Isn't that cool? So I have uh, this one was a thank you uh, from Rob Kelly, uh, my podcasting life mate, who sent that to me. Yeah. So it's uh, the Armed Services Edition. It's really, really neat. You did send uh, you did send a picture along and and I was pleased to see that you were storing your sad sacks in the appropriate manner, which seemed to be a haphazard stack. Yes, which is exactly, exactly what they deserve. <laughs> that is exactly. So I've got long boxes. I've got 49 long boxes of comic books in my house because my wife said if I ever get to 50, they're all going to the street. So no matter how many comic books I own, I only own 49 long boxes, if you get my hint. Anyway, the sad sacks are not in the long boxes. They are actually in a bookshelf upstairs. We still have several of the books my kids read growing up that they've kept, we've kept over the years. And they're actually in the bookcase with the kids, <laughs> with the kids' novels. Perfect. That's where it. they belong. I love it. Respect. Respect. Exactly. <laughs> so I got to tell you two more crazy pieces of history about Sad Sack, right? Yeah. In 1942, it comes out. It became so popular, but in 1944, it's on the radio, all right? Mel Blanc actually played Sad Sack on the radio. Later on, he gets his uh, own radio show in 1946, which featured a bunch of people, including uh, Jim Bacchus from Gilligan's mm -hmm. Island, Mr. Mm -hmm. Howell, which is cool. Then in 1957, they did a film that, called The Sad Sack starring Jerry Lewis. It's insane. Yeah. I've watched most of it. It's it's not fantastic. Um, they they took some liberties, you know, like uh, Sad Sack's more like an idiot savant, really, you know, in that. But still, I mean, it's Jerry Lewis. I mean, come on, it's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's how crazy popular this thing is. Again, the volume of the comics, the no comic strip, you know, in the newspaper, in publications, the soldiers, everyone's got these things, and nowadays, no one even knows what it was. 
It's crazy. It's true. That is true. So uh, enough about complaining about postal regulations. I mean, complaining about the government, that's that's every other waking hour of my life. Um, <laughs> you or, and everyone. Or talking about the history. We are here to dissect these four pieces of literature. I'm so glad you called it that. That's what I was going to call them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, our format here, I, we have four issues, four stories, and we're going to uh, listen to a recording by yours truly of uh, each of these four stories. And after each one, we'll chat for a minute or two uh, about our our reactions uh, to that uh, to that story. We will have two from the main sad sack title, issue 216, cover dated October 1970, Sad Sack in Rich Quick. The Sarge threatened to transfer the sad sack overseas to get rid of him. You caused me nothing but trouble. The Sarge growled at the sad sack. The sack was scared. He knew he had to do something to get on the good side of the Sarge. The very next time you cause me trouble, you get shipped overseas, the Sarge bellowed. The sad sack had to be on his best behavior, because he didn't want to be sent overseas. How can I get the Sarge to be my buddy, he asked himself. The sad sack walked over to mail call. His name was called out for a letter. The sad sack opened the letter he had received in the mail, and it was a charge-anything card. Wow, this is better than cash, the sack said as he put it in his wallet. The sarge came along with his usual grouch on. What are you so happy about, sack? The sarge asked. It was the middle of the month, and all the soldiers were broke. Come on, Sarge, I'll take you out for steak tonight. It was the first time the Sarge had smiled all day. You must be loaded, the Sarge said as the two of them checked out the main gate. They stood there waiting for the bus, but the sad sack insisted on taking a cab. The Sarge was really impressed. Take us to the club Clippo, the sad sack told the cabbie. Wow, the Sarge said. That's the fanciest nightclub in town. The sad sack smiled and said, Nothing's too good for a buddy of mine. The cab pulled up in front of the club clippo, and the sarge went inside while the sack took care of the fare with his charge anything card. The sack came into the club and snapped his finger at the head waiter and insisted on the best seat in the club. The sack flashed his charge anything card at the head waiter and the waiter announced this way sir the sarge was again impressed nothing's too good for us sarge order anything you see on the menu the sad sack instructed the sarge the sarge took one look at the prices on the menu and nearly fainted it didn't slow down the sack however he ordered the most expensive dishes on the menu the Sarge just said, make that double. It was plain to see the Sarge and the Sad Sack were going to be the best of buddies from now on. 
The sack called the cigarette girl over and bought her out. Put it on my bill and take the rest of the night off. It was easy to see. The sad sack was taken to being a big shot very easily. After the sack paid for the bill with his charge-anything card, the two of them left and went across the street and rented a big limousine with his charge-anything card. You're running up quite a bill, sack, the sarge mentioned to the sack. Don't worry about it. They like you to charge a lot, the sack said smugly. He was beginning to feel like a real big shot. The sad sack and the sarge started doing all the night spots all over town. Nothing was too good for them. They even went to the exclusive penthouse club that costs $1,000 to join. Sadsack joined with his Charge Anything card. The Sarge, by this time, had his arm around the Sadsack's shoulders and was calling him Buddy Baby. But Sadsack now knew that the Sarge would never ship him out overseas. The sun was coming up, and it was time for them to go back to camp. They drove in the main gate in the big rented limousine and immediately headed for their bunks to sleep. That was the best night on the town I ever had, old buddy, the Sarge told the sack. I'll never ship you overseas. The sad sack knew that he had made a big pal of the Sarge, thanks to his charge-anything card. The sad sack was awakened by one of the guards. What's wrong? The sack asked. This civilian wants to talk to you, sack. A man stood over the sack holding a briefcase. He was from the Charge Anything District Office. A terrible mistake has been made, Private Sack. We sent a credit card to you by mistake. It should have gone to Mr. Saul Sack. However, if you give us back the card, along with the $3,000 you spent last night... $3,000! The Sack said in horror. Immediately, the man said, or we will have to sue you. The sack ran over to the Sarge and pleaded with him. Please ship me overseas, right away! The End up shag i'm curious i know that there was a time with your job and maybe you're getting back to this uh, post-covid where you would do a lot of traveling a lot of geeky meetups there was Mm -hmm. that time clinton you know had to pull some strings to get you out of oklahoma (laughs) Um, we can't talk about that was that the closest you've ever had to a charge anything card when you were just blowing through that company expense (laughs) i mean did this story bring back pleasant memories for you? Well, let's start by saying you've met me, right? So do you think my company trusts me with a company credit card? No, no. Nope, it nope, all nope. goes on my own and I have to get reimbursed because they're no fools. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have to ask you, as a professor of economics, is this one of the greatest experiences you've had reading children's literature, teaching children fiscal responsibility? This one was perfect. (laughs) I love this one. The sack has to get on Sarge's good side. He has to be on best behavior. So that's 
stakes and clubs and limos. I am curious, though. Mm -hmm. What do you think back in 1970? I've not looked this up, so I don't know. But what could have been the most expensive item on a steakhouse menu? I mean, mm. $6? No, it's it probably 10 15 I mean, we're talking 50 years of inflation. You have to back out of that number. All right. So if, if you're paying... What sixty bucks, fifty bucks for a nice steak nowadays? Maybe I don't. I don't go out very often since COVID. Um, I bet they're paying twenty bucks. Maybe twenty bucks. That was one I, I did not look up. Now one that might be more in your wheelhouse. What services do you expect to get for a thousand dollars at the penthouse club? Right. Are you yeah. Kidding me? <laughs> I mean, with your extensive travel experience, just to answer that one. Uh, okay, I'm not going anywhere near that thing. Eight thousand dollars in today's dollars. Okay, I was going to ask you. So the total bill was yep. three grand. I was wondering what the three grand translates yeah. to in today's dollars. Just under twenty four thousand. Oh my god! So he spent twenty four grand in a night. Now the limo. I what I, I was a little confused by paying the cigarette girl and telling her to take the night off. Like, was that a euphemism for "come sit on I my lap"? I don't or... know. I'm not sure. I okay. Again, somehow out of my experience on that one, I just did not know what to think of that. But it's got got the the lesson right. Don't it does have a huge spend, lesson in there. It's, don't spend what you can't pay back. I mean, come on. So there, there's a couple different styles of sad sack type stories. One is, and I mean the more the the, yeah. the illustrated kind, but yeah. where there's joke every couple panels because so, just things keep going wrong. And then there's others where it's fairly straightforward, and then you get to the punchline at the end. At the end. Usually those are very short. Usually those are one pagers. So this right. is an interesting example where there's not really anything funny until the end. So this one, I don't know that this one's a win in my book. Uh, but I, I, I did like the fiscal part of it where he learns the lesson. I, I, I do think it's interesting that Satsak was the original baller. So well on him <laughs> and, you know, and Sarge, I'm trying to decide if Sarge is just having a good time or he's just the world's biggest user. He's like, Oh, this dude's going to money hey, this, on me. I mean, he, he has to be in trouble too. It's, there's a, there's gotta be some regulations that are being violated on his side as well. I would feel so. receiving, receiving these gifts from an underman. Mm -hmm. At least these days, HR would have a thing or two yeah. to say about this. This is where I show my military ignorance. I know Sadsack considered an enlisted man. Is a sergeant considered an enlisted man or is he considered an officer? I don't actually know because I know you're not supposed to fraternize with the enlisted men. So I'm wondering, is Sarge breaking that rule too? I believe the Sarge is the highest ranking enlisted. Oh, right. I think you're right. I think you're right. It's like it goes up to lieutenant is where it begins to get an officer, I think, right. if, if I'm remembering. Okay. Editor's note. Thanks to our military advisor, Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. the yard sale artist, for confirming that the Sarge would be an enlisted man. But again, we've got don't spend what you can't pay back. We also have mm -hmm. money can buy you friends, but it's really, really expensive. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> That's a lesson. Uh, see, I thought this one had some chuckles and smiles throughout. Not okay. not punchlines, but sort of the but sort of the growing dread because you know what's going to happen. True, true. Um, yeah, the ticking bomb. Yeah. All right. Fair so, enough. I, and I, I will be asking you as we go along how these work as sad sack stories. Oh, okay. Well, it functions like a one pager, but ironically, it's right. two pages. Hmm. <laughs> So uh, for you, as someone who's read a fair amount of Sad Sack, 
how do you feel about this? Is this like, oh yeah, I should have been reading these pages all along, or is it like, mm, no, it's okay that I skip these pages? This one was okay. This okay. One was okay. Economics um, professor says this one's okay. All right. <laughs> uh, spoilers. I think the next one is pretty good. So this brings us to the story from issue 221, I think it is, or 231. Can't read the number, it's so blurry. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of blurry on, on the inside cover. Cover dated July 1971. Sad sack. In our computer world. All the guys left for town to pick up their dates for the night. All the guys, that is, except Sad Sack. He couldn't find a date. The Sad Sack was sitting on his bunk reading the newspaper when he saw the ad in the paper. Computerized dating, the ad read. Find your perfect mate through the computer. It's the modern way. Eliminates all the preliminaries, like hand-holding, sending roses, silly cooing, writing love notes. It's all done electronically. Look at the money you save. No hit and miss. Satisfaction guaranteed. Wow! The sack yelled, That's for me! The sack flew out the main gate and headed for the computerized dating office downtown. Just fill out this card and we'll feed the information into the computer and we'll find the girl for you, the attendant said after he took the sad sack's $25. The sack quickly filled out the card, and the attendant put it into the slot in the computer. The computer started making a lot of noise. It whirred and buzzed and clicked. In a few minutes, a card flipped out of the opposite end. The attendant picked up the card and presented it to the sad sack. Wowee! The sack yelled with glee. The girl's picture was on the card, and she was a beautiful doll. The attendant said, This is the girl who will suit you. You two should get along very well. The sad sack agreed. You can say that again. The attendant phoned the girl and made a date for the sad sack that very night. The sad sack snapped the card out of the attendant's hand and ran out the door. He jumped into a taxi out front and read the girl's address to the driver. The taxi pulled up in front of the girl's house. The sack gave the driver a nice tip and ran up the steps and knocked on the girl's front door. She opened the door, and Sack almost popped his eyeballs out of his sockets. She was a knockout. She looked at Sack and smiled. It was plain that these two were meant for each other. The sack took her to one of the best night spots in town. The sack ordered the best champagne in the house. Nothing was too good for the sack's girl love dream. Her right name was Millie Cranshaw, but the sack called her love dream. She called the sad sack lover boy because she was so much in love with him. They talked about the computer and what a wonderful machine it was to bring them both together. They danced until the wee hours of the morning. The sad sack felt like he was floating on a cloud. The evening had ended too soon to suit the sad sack. But it was time to go home. Love Dream 
gave the sack a goodnight kiss, which made it a perfect evening for the sack. The next morning, the sack woke up, and for the first time since he had been in the army, he didn't gripe about getting up so early. In fact, the sack even enjoyed being on the garbage detail. He didn't even mind the Sarge yelling at him. That sad sack got all showered and cleaned up for his date again tonight with Love Dream. Love Dream, too, was looking forward to her date again with a sad sack. Amazing as it may seem, she was actually in love with the sad sack. They both thought it was wonderful to be brought together by a computer. It proved how advanced our society had become to know that a machine could find their true love for them. You want it on the phone, Sack? The Sack's buddy Slob yelled in from out in the hall. The Sack came out and answered it. This is the computer dating service. We've made a horrible mistake. The computer goofed up your selection, Private Sack. The Sack slammed down the receiver and rushed to the computer office. Love Dream was waiting inside the office. The attendant gave the Sad Sack and Millie Crenshaw their new cards. The computer was broken when we did your cards the first time. Sad Sack and Millie looked at their new dates pictures on the cards and said, Ugh! The computer never misses, the attendant said. Actually, you two were very mismatched. Sad Sack and Millie were brokenhearted, but they knew that this day and age, everyone relied on the computer. They both left and never saw one another again. Back in the barracks, the sad sack longed for the old days when man didn't rely on the computer to make decisions. The End And before we dig too deeply into this one, I do want to mention that in preparing, again, to talk about these ones and, and looking at other of these pro stories in Disney, uh, Tweety Bird, some horror, at least one war story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to say that out of all of those, I think these first two may be among the best. <laughs> oh, interesting. I actually thought this one was very good. Um, again, for context, the $25 fee for the dating service is about $200 uh, wow. uh, today. I loved the line. She was a knockout, almost popped his eyeballs out of their sockets. Well, we should mention also these text pieces do include a couple of inset images. So yes. this particular one includes three. One is Sad Sack looking at the giant computer. One is Sad Sack meeting uh, Love Dream, the girl. And then one with the computer technician showing them the mixed up cards. I will say uh, in my traditional role that uh, Love Dream is smoking hot. Um <laughs> Gorgeous redhead. She's got that rock star Marilyn Monroe kind of eyes going on and the flowered, you know, cuff dresses. Oof. Wow. It's getting warm in here. I'm just saying, way to go, Sad Sack. So I can see why he fell head over heels and why his eyeballs almost popped out. 
he gets a kiss on the first date. Come on, mm-hmm. he's getting it done. And again, they use those nicknames. Uh, yep, love, love, dream, and lover boy for each other. I was going to ask, you know, if if you you know nicknames or anything like that, but I guess Shag kind of covers that. So, do you want me to get real here or not? Because I because <laughs> I don't tend to on these things. Fine, I will. My wife does have a nickname for me. She calls me HBO, Honey Bunches of Oats. Oh my Lance. So there you go. You asked for it. You got real life right in your face. I, I know someone who calls you Shagalicious. True, but, but that's not in a romantic see. way. <laughs> if nothing else, she's trying to make fun of me when she says that. So <laughs> that is very true. That is true. So, I didn't you know, know there was computerized dating in 1971. Like I, I, I would have expected, I don't know, 76, 77, 71. Yeah. Wow. That was pretty amazing. Um, yes. And now we have computer friends, don't we? We do. We do. Computer we friends do. that lead to real life friends. We have, I've lost count how many times we've hung out. It's got to be six or seven probably at this yeah. point. Yeah. So, yeah. yep. And your wife even tried to kill Absolutely. me once. But that's a true story. That is a true story. Podcast fans have not forgiven her. <laughs> for failing. For not getting the job done. <laughs> no, no. But come on, this is, this is a heartbreaker. See, okay, this thank you. This one is a heartbreaker. I thought this one was great because it had, what a heartbreak of a story. Things was... were going so well. I guess things going so well can't last for the sack. I mean, I guess right. that's sort of how it goes, but oh, man. So, yes, uh, th- that is the that is the shtick. Things have to go wrong, but it just hurts so bad this time. Like, this was the, probably one of the more painful sad sack stories I've read about where I felt so sorry for Maybe it's just because I was totally wrapped up in how hot she was. I don't know. But, like, <laughs> it's it's actually not funny, by the way. This story, yeah, there no, is no, no humor in this story. It's just a story of his life going wrong. Um, So I'm going to ask you. I think there's something else going on with this story. Do you like? Do you feel there is a theme and undercurrent here being said with the story? Don't rely on technology. Yes, to make your decisions for you. Yeah. I think that's exactly because I mean the way the story goes. I mean, you guys, you just heard him read it, but I mean, literally everything's fine, and because the computer says they don't match, they just walk away from each other. It's not like they realize they're incompatible. They literally just relied on the computer decision. So, yeah, this has got to be some meta-commentary on people's reliance on computers and technology of 1971. If only they knew. I was going to say, as we know, reliance (laughs) on technology peaked in 1972, and as a result of the story, we we gave up on on all Mm -hmm. of that. Oh, man. People have AI girlfriends now. So anyway, <laughs> I mean, not funny, but I thought really good. Actually, I enjoyed this one. I enjoyed it again because yeah. I, I, I actually made me feel something. Like comics yeah. don't do that that often. So <laughs> now, anytime that Harvey had a hit, as you, you, you mentioned, they had no qualms at all about cashing in mm-hmm. by creating more and more titles, and no one could touch the prolific nature of the poor little rich boy. Uh, who, some, who some months had double figures of title shipping, I believe. Oh my but, gosh. Uh, Harvey, as you said, did expand the Sad Sack offering. So next up, we have one from an issue of Sad Sack with Sarge and Sadie. Number three, January 1973. Sad Sack with Sarge and Sadie in 
cracked up. The sad sack and Sadie were in the PX having a chocolate milkshake, sitting by the magazine rack and reading the comic books. The Sarge came into the PX and immediately walked over to the sad sack and Sadie. Quit reading the comic books for free, the Sarge barked to them. We're not reading them free, the sad sack replied. You've got your nose in them. If you're not reading them, you're looking at the pictures. The sack explained to the Sarge that they had to look inside to see if they were interested in buying them. The Sarge barked back, Well, after you've seen everything inside, what's the use of buying them? Sadie exploded, Stop picking on us. This is our rest period, and you're not supposed to bother us. Now the Sarge was getting hot under the collar. The Sarge was moaning about the air conditioning not being cool enough. It's getting hot in here, he groaned as his temper kept rising. I'll wait for you two outside until your rest period is over, he growled as he stomped out of the PX. Sad Sack and Sadie looked out through the PX window and saw the Sarge waiting there for them. He was looking at his watch to see when their rest period time was up. The longer the Sarge waited, the more uptight he got. Sad Sack said, He'll really give it to us now, Sadie. The two of them started sweating. Come to think of it, this air conditioning isn't working too good, Sadie agreed. Yes, I keep feeling warmer myself. The Sarge came busting into the PX. He didn't see Sad Sack and Sadie. He asked around, but no one knew where they were. The Sarge couldn't find them anywhere in the PX. He went into the back storage room, but they couldn't be found there either. The Sarge started getting hot again. I wish they'd turn up the air conditioning in this place. The Sarge went out front of the PX to look for them around camp, saying, They must have slipped out front while I wasn't looking. Outside, the Sarge was really getting hot under the collar about the sad sack and Sadie slipping through his fingers. He was boiling mad. He said, It sure is hot today, as his temperature zoomed. The more he looked for them, the hotter he got. The Sarge looked all over the camp, but he couldn't find them. He was so hot from walking around in the hot sun, and his temperature zoomed. The more he looked for them, the hotter he got. The Sarge looked all over the camp, but couldn't find them. He was so hot from walking around in the hot sun, and his temperature about to explode from being so mad, he could hardly stand it. Where could they possibly be? The Sarge was going crazy from worry, the heat, and his temper. Kablooey! It finally happened. The Sarge blew his stack. He went gaga. He flipped his lid. He jumped the track. He blew a fuse. He short-circuited his think box. He was immediately rushed to the emergency ward of the happy, happy section of the Army Hospital. He's really gone over the brink, one of the doctors said, as they strapped the Sarge to the table to x-ray his head. The doctors 
performed every examination on the Sarge's head, but couldn't find a thing wrong with him. The Sarge kept saying, Turn up the air conditioning in here. The doctors agreed. There must be something bothering him that caused all this. The doctors kept the Sarge alone in his room so he could rest. They left him alone, but he didn't get much rest. Sadsack and Sadie had heard about the Sarge being sent to the hospital. Where have you been? Sack's friend Slob asked. We were working over at one of the cesspool tanks. Slob explained, The Sarge has been looking all over for you. The Sack replied, We must have been down in the cesspool when the Sarge walked by and didn't see us. We'd better go see the poor Sarge, Sadie said as they both headed for the hospital. The Sarge was finally resting nicely and very quietly as Sad and Sadie approached his room. The doctors were conferring again about the Sarge's condition. If we only knew what was causing his problem, he seems to have forgotten about it now. He's resting very quietly and comfortably. Eow! The scream came from the Sarge's room. The doctors ran in and the Sarge had completely blown his top again. The doctors quickly got Sadsack and Sadie out of the room. The doctors now knew what caused the Sarge's attacks. They figured the Sarge could lead a normal life around camp, except for one thing. You two will have to live in a different section of the camp. I'm afraid the Sarge won't be allowed to see you two for a long time. Everybody was happy. The end. First of all, Shag, how do you feel about reading comics in the comic book store to decide if you want to buy them or not? Okay, so I'm glad you bring that up because, like, as a guy who used to work in a comic book store, yes, that is a big no-no. You don't read the comic in the comic book store. Again, I felt like this was some meta commentary going on. I yeah. felt like it was the guys at Harvey, you know, fussing about the kids reading the comics at the newsstand. I really feel like that's what was going on with this one. You have to read them to see if you want to buy them. Right, exactly. Because, you know, back then it's not like you're reading the continuing serial of Super Mario. I guess you were at that point. But, I mean, for the funny comics, like the Harvey comics, there was no – on. it's like, uh-oh, did Richie Rich get out of that, you know, I don't know, junk bond from last issue? Oh, no, I'll never know. <laughs> you know, it's it, it was just you pick it up and you go with it. So, But once you get to serialized storytelling, you don't need to do that anymore. You're like, okay, I know I'm already hooked. So, yeah, you do kind of got to flip through it. One uh, a comic shop manager had a line about again these numbers of Richie Riches and Sad Sack comics. Mm -hmm. His theory, probably half joking, <laughs> but maybe only half, his his theory was that if they could come up with a pun, you know, a joke for the cover, mm -hmm. that that's all they needed. Boom, we can do eleven issues this month because we have eleven cover gags. <laughs> Some months we only have eight cover gags, so we only do eight comics this month. You know, that might not be that far off because now, like, all of these sad sack issues you sent me don't have covers, but the ones that do 
the cover has absolutely nothing to oh, do no, with yeah. the story inside yeah. whatsoever. It, a miscellaneous joke of some kind. Basically, George Baker, the guy who created Sadsack, stayed on on with Harvey just to do the covers. So he'd just draw yeah. whatever he felt like. Had nothing to do with the inside. And it was usually pretty <laughs> darn funny. Now, so how do this... you feel about Sadie? Um, you know, she's an interesting character. How is she related to the sack? She is his cousin, and she looks exactly okay. like him, except she's got lipstick and like maybe red hair. Yeah, a gal who looks exactly like Sad Sack is not. Yeah, that may stretch your credulity of hotness. Yeah, it, it, the scale's a little off there. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I guess at some point at Harvey, they decided, or maybe it was in the comic strips. I don't know whenever she was created. You know, she was supposed to be one of the wax. Um, did they do that? Because they thought, oh, we'll get girls to read the book. You know, if we put her in here and yet they never treated her well, ever. No, I mean, no. she, now to be fair, they never treated Sack very well either. Right. Uh, but it, but that was his whole shtick. Right. Well, I guess Sadie had the same problem, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. So. The Sadie stories never really resonated with me. And by the no. way, it, this particular run of Sad Sack with Sarge and Sadie, I did until recently. I didn't even know this comic existed. Like, <laughs> I know all about Sad Sack and Sad Sack's funny friends and Sad Sack and Sarge. My favorite, by the way, is called Sad Sad Sack. There's a comic actually called Sad yeah. Sad, Sack, which just cracks me up. I didn't even know this series existed. Now this one's issue three. It may not have gone that much longer. I have no idea. Yeah, but this of our three stories so far, this is the first one where the plot such as it is, did not hold together for me. Because I still don't know how they sneaked by the Sarge after the rest period. Right, I got to assume they went out I the mean, back. He was looking for them. He was right. going to cover all the, and then they just, next thing you know, they're, what are they doing? They're doing some manual work. So in the cesspool, sure. by the way. Whatever yes, a cesspool the, is. is. <laughs> So what, what kind of what kind of uh, dillweed is the Sarge in that he sees these two, you know, enlisted people reading comics, decides to get so mad at them, he just hangs around out in front of the store waiting for them. And then when he can't find them, it's not like, oh, well, I'll go on my day and bully someone else. He's like, oh, no, I'm going to double down on this. You know, and that's what he goes after. Yeah, not a nice guy. And even the air conditioning cannot keep up with his pure anger true sad sack just spent 24 grand on him recently you know in one night you'd think sarge would be a little more willing to cut him a break i found it interesting that the army hospital has a happy happy section so that was my other note is <laughs> phrases like went gaga flipped his lid short circuited his, his think box <laughs> yep and then the happy happy section well we're sitting yep. here laughing at the phrases not exactly sensitive to those with mental illness. Yep. So I'm not going to say it didn't age well because it's a product of its time. But at the same time, it's just my, my, my wife works in the mental health care field. So yeah. it's like, ooh, 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 okay. Yeah. Especially if you're talking about folks in the military. Yeah. If 50 years later, we, we, mm -hmm. we treat uh, mental health, especially for our uh, current and uh, retired uh, servicemen and women quite differently. It's a, it's incredibly hard work, and there is yeah. there is emotional drama. I'm damaged. I mean, mm -hmm. that that occurs. Mm -hmm. This was probably my least favorite of the four. Unfortunately, this is one of those that's uh, like, okay, this is for agreed. the postal discount. Yeah, and that wonder about the logistics of these stories because we know on the on the hostess ads, mm -hmm. you can tell. Uh, who drew them in many cases mm -hmm. and you know, folks have gone back and identified or, 
or fessed up to uh, being the writers and, and and artists on 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 some of those and, and other. I mean, were these just the marketing person who was you know writing up advertising copy? You know, today's job. That's a good question. After, after lunch is to fill two pages. You know, give us six hundred words on anything about Sad Sack. I'm well, just curious again with within the company because obviously these are nothing pages. Yeah, I'm thinking they couldn't have paid much for them. Couldn't have done a page rate for them or a word rate for a, like a prose short story in a you know in a pulp magazine. May have been paying five, ten cents, twenty five cents a, a word at this point. I can't believe they even paid that much. I just, I'm just again the the logistics. Did these go to the creatives or did they go to the advertising? Like in a lot of cases, I've heard stories of like DC or Marvel or whoever. Not necessarily a text piece, but like they'll say, "Hey, we've got a two page or three page story," and they actually just threw it to an editor. And said, "Can you crank right. out a quick script?" Yeah. And yes. you'll get paid X dollars, Probably. you know, for or if you're on, if you're on salary, you get nothing. So in this case, if it's an editor who's on salary at Harvey, probably didn't get a dime for it. But I, I would imagine rather than a word rate, because it's always two pages, it's exactly the yeah. same size. That right. it's more like you know, again, you're either got somebody on salary, or it's like, hey, you know, hey, editor, or maybe it's the writer. Say, so crank out two pages. We'll give you thirty bucks, you know, or whatever. Right. I don't know. Right. That's a good question Curious about that that side of it. I don't even know if there's anybody around we could even ask anymore. Sadly, do you know what put Harvey out of business? Mm -mm. They were working a deal with Marvel. Marvel was going to take over the publication of Harvey. And is this, is this where we got Star Comics from? Oh gosh, I mean, and maybe when it, when it fell apart. When it fell apart, I'm curious. I just they had a Richie Rich analog. Yeah. I mean, that would be 82 is when Harvey ends, 84, 85 is when Star starts. So maybe there is some maybe. some carryover. Yeah, but so Marvel was going to take over the, the either the publication or distribution of the Harvey comics and the deal fell apart. Like and Harvey was in it so deep they couldn't pull back out of the spiral and it was over right. just like that. Which then makes it even more impressive that Archie is still cranking along. Yeah. No kidding. At 80. I just had a major TV show. Yep, yep, true. Rich, Rich, Rich hasn't done much since Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> and our our last uh, last story to uh, discuss and dissect is from yet another title, Sad Sack Laugh Special, from January 1973. Sad Sack in the Firebug. Sack strode into the firehouse. Private Sack, reporting as ordered, Sergeant. The fire sergeant dropped his comic book, leaped to his feet, and roared, I told them I was short a man, not the biggest misfit on the base. I'll have to assign two men, just to keep you out of trouble, and that will make me more shorthanded than ever. Aw, give me a chance, begged Sack. I'll do anything. I've always wanted to be a fireman. I'll even be your cleanup man if you let me wear one of these fire hats. The joint is a big mess, growled the fire chief. I suppose you're really the best man for the cleanup job. So get with it. Sack started at one end of the firehouse and broomed and scrubbed his way to the other. Of course he had to work around all the other firemen who were busy at their duties snoozing, 
playing checkers and drinking coffee. Soon the whole building was sparkling and clean. He reported back to the fire sergeant. I'm all done now. Can I start being a real fireman now? Sure, your next duty is to run over to the base exchange and pick up a few things for the boys. Here's the list. Shucks, moaned Sack. I thought I'd get to wear a fireman's hat and really be in the swing. If it makes you happy, you can start wearing a fireman's hat right now, growled the sergeant. Take number 13 off the hook and slap it on that dumb head of yours. Sack rushed to the row of hats and plucked off his prize. By then the group had made up their list. Our hero grabbed it and dashed for the door with his new hat riding happily on his head. Once in the camp store, he presented the list to the clerk, and then his eyes widened in disbelief as the list of items his newfound friends had ordered were heaped in front of him. Finally, he staggered out the door with two large cartons in his arms. He didn't get very far before he tripped and spilled everything on the ground. Once he got back in order, he sat pondering his problem. The bell went off in his head as he looked up to find the fire alarm staring back at him. It was so simple. Why not have a fire truck come and freight the packages back to the firehouse? Sack reached up and pulled the lever. Pandemonium broke loose. Bells clanged. Alarms screamed. People ran together from all directions, and at the peak of the turmoil, the fire chief arrived with all the huge fire trucks. Where's the fire? he screamed. Get those hoses hooked up! At this point, Sack stepped forward. Take it easy, Sarge. There isn't any fire. I just thought it would be easier to haul these packages back on a big fire truck than to try to carry them. The sergeant exploded. You rang the fire alarm bell just to get us to haul some packages back from the base exchange? Sack and all his packages were pushed onto a fire truck and soon on their way to the firehouse. Sack was in a state of happiness at his first ride on a real fire truck. The state of happiness soon came to an abrupt end when they arrived back at the firehouse. The fire chief yelled and screamed at him and then put him on permanent KP duty. Sack found that being a fireman was no different than anything else he did in the army, always ending up in the same place the kitchen. Orders rained down on him from his newfound buddies for food and coffee at all hours. He soon was in a daze from overwork and long hours. Finally, the day arrived when Sack was half asleep and spilled some hot grease on his stove. Fire flared throughout the room and soon the whole thing was ablaze. Sack ran from the room and upstairs to where his firemen buddies were huddled around a big, hot checkers game. Sarge! Sarge! he screamed. The fire chief held up his hand for silence. 
You're trying to interrupt our championship match. Quiet. But there's a fire, cried Sack. Sure, sure. What do you want us to carry for you this time? returned the sergeant. Needless to say, you must have guessed by now that the firehouse burned down and Sack is back on permanent KP to pay for his sins. The End. We have another one here that starts off with a character reading a comic book. (laughs) Guys in the military love comics. And you think about it, they're staying on brand, right? I mean, they want people to read comics, so they got to put it in there. No. Are you sitting down, sir? Yes. This is my favorite of the four. And this would have been a great sad sex strip. I ended up in a slightly different place for you because I was reading reading this. I was thinking this is the one I totally envisioned as a comic book story as I read it. Yes. Yes, exactly right. It has action. It has slapstick. It has jokes. It has a couple different locations even. Mm-hmm. You know, it has everything a sad sack story needed. But on the other hand, as I was reading it sort of as a prose story, weirdly enough, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was that strong in that sense. It's sort of a oh. weird, weird dichotomy. I don't know if I judge comics and mm-hmm. prose to different standards in some way. But it's weird. I'm thinking... This would be a great comic story. This may well have been a script or, or some, you know, something. This may have been an idea that, that was already in some stages in someone's mind. I wondered but the same so, thing. Yeah, but but then somehow when it went to the prose for me, it, there were elements that weren't working for me. And I, I have no reason how I can explain that at, at all. But I agree with you fully. I think you made a great point there when you agreed with me that (laughs) this was the funniest it was the best as a sad sack comic story so i am confused on this one if you can't tell i think what we heard professor allen say is that words are hard is what he said there as far yep i like you i could visualize the whole thing which is probably why i enjoyed it so much this one felt the most like a sad sack story also i mentioned to you there's a couple different sad sack stories one is where it's straight through and then the jokes at the end and there's other ones where there's jokes throughout. This one had jokes throughout. The, and the antics were genuinely funny. When he pulls the fire alarm to get them to help pick up the packages, I thought that was hysterical. And there's also another element in the story that you don't see happen too long, which is I think this story took place over the course of a couple months, like which is yes, not yes. usual. Usually a sad sex story takes place over the course of uh, you know 30 seconds or maybe a day. Right. Here, he is assigned to the firehouse for a long time. They talk about he's he's working there. He's cooking for them for, I, I've lost track of it. Um, yeah. yeah, so finally the day arrives, which means he's been doing this for a long time. Yeah. I think he's been there a while. But but one thing about this that I, I think works, especially in, even in that, in that scene where he calls his buddies for help, is that he's not malicious. Yep. And, and again, he's not that he's lazy. He's just not the brightest bulb right (laughs) that's the mistake there is an endearing aspect to him that i that i think is the secret well you're absolutely right and they established that the packages are too much 
they're too much he's dropped them already once so it's not like you said he's not pulling the beetle bailey and he's trying to get a free ride he legitimately can't get the job done so yeah he's he is um uh i don't know what the word i'm looking for is but the words are hard uh he is relatable again it it, it starts strong again got the fire sergeant reading a comic book there's a line in there about the firemen were busy at their duties of snoozing and playing checkers yeah (laughs) yeah that's a funny line that's a Mm -hmm. funny line yeah there are two images on here one is uh the first one where he's just in there in a hat and the next one he's he's frying something and the pan's on fire in the story it says tells him to take hat number 13 off the hook which is funny lucky you know unlucky 13 but the first drawing has him wearing a hat number three and that just bothered the mess out of me i'm like (laughs) yeah he's got 13 in the other hat (laughs) the other drawing why not Ah, just really uh really bothered me But you get the classic, I mean, it's a boy who cries wolf story, right? I mean, it's a classic story. You know, they they don't believe him the second yep. time he calls for the fire because you know what happened last time. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get all, you know, uh, Mr. Panneries <laughs> on this year teaching English, but it goes, gives a little second person at the end. It says, and I bet you know what happened, right? Uh... The firehouse burned down. And Sad Sack is on permanent KP to pay for his sins. <laughs> are they really sins, though? I mean, are they really <laughs> sins at this point? I mean, he just, he had an accident in the kitchen. So that happens. Yeah. That happens. I did like, Next- I, I forgot to mention the last thing was uh, earlier when he gets, and he finally gets on the fire truck, right? With all the packages, like everyone's mad at him. They're so angry. And yet the, the bit says here, Sack was in a state of happiness at his first ride on a real fire truck. And it's like, you want to be He's so still- happy for Sack he's surrounded by his friends exactly everyone's ready to kill him, which would have made a great visual bit right yeah, exactly. that panel would have been great exactly. definitely saw this one as panels so i asked yeah. you at the first one now i'll ask you overall do these enhance the comic book experience or are they still just in the way again these sad sack ones these are a cut above <laughs> anything else I've read so far. Even the one in Twilight Zone, even the one in the, the war book was just, that was just a snooze fest. Wow. One. Whether Harvey spent a few more minutes on these <laughs> on average than the other companies did or, or however it worked out. I thought overall, these ones, they passed the time, I thought. Okay. And yeah. I, I don't know about, about uh, you, Shag, but I can usually whip through a sad sack comic pretty quickly. Yes, absolutely true. About like a modern comic. <laughs> right. <laughs> Take about as long to read. If if you know what I'm saying. I uh, yeah. Even the you the know, specials, which are like fifty-two pages, I know what you mean. You know, maybe a chance to slow down, then an, an an extra couple of minutes. Yeah. Maybe maybe that makes the fifty cents even more worthwhile. I think I'm biased because it's sad sack. If you put the Tweety Bird in front of me, I'd probably be like, oh my gosh, this is a waste of my time. But with the sad sack ones, especially when I get to something fun like Firebug, I'd be like, okay, this was this enriched the experience. So it, it was something, a new way to experience sad sack for me. So, because, uh, you know, I'm I'm used to reading them with no words whatsoever, just That's those true. little comic That's strip true. images. So, yeah. We've, we've gone to the, swung the pendulum the other yep. way for you. Now, in the 1990s, I was a diehard reader of uh, Legion of Superheroes, the five-year-later era, and Tom and Mary Beerbaum would do two or three text pages, like super tiny print 
on those. And if I, and I was riveted by those and James Robinson and Starman was doing right. the times past. Yeah. So I was riveted by those. So if I can make my way through those, I can, I can give sad sack uh, two pages <laughs> without a doubt. So you're saying you're going to spend this holiday weekend going through that stack of comics you have Ooh. just to find the two pagers. Uh, uh, uh. That might be an idea. You know, here, here's a challenge for you. As you're reading these pro stories, these specifically came out of the 1970 to 1973 era. So I yeah. wonder if the era may play a role in that. So if you're reading text pieces from 65, it might be different or I don't know, 79 or, or whatever. I happen to have the list here so far. That there we go. earliest one was uh, 1966. That was a Bugs Bunny story. Okay. And the latest was 1980. That was actually a DC. One I found in DC it was in a Ghosts. Oh, interesting. Ghosts, which I guess either didn't have a letters page or didn't have enough, but they had that was maybe a one pager. Occasionally, mm. you find a one a one pager. Okay. I assume that's because they have another page of something. I would assume by like 1980 with DC Comics, they would be sophisticated enough to really put a decent story in there and not just throw it away. But it sounds like that's not the case. But most of them looked like they ended in uh, in the mid 70s. Okay, yeah. Or, or maybe haven't look, look, looked at them at them uh, since then. I did find one, and this was more a, a different case, and it was a, a war book from hmm. 1987. I assume they just commissioned or reprinted a war story just as a as a serious yeah. story more than a uh, more than a cost cutting page filler sure right yeah no that makes <laughs> sense yeah well this was a now, super fun exercise professor i really enjoyed this yeah well now let me ask you ask you this now you're actually reading these from the comics mm-hmm. our, our lovely listeners have listened to the story so even though you haven't heard the top quality narration uh, <laughs> would you like would you like to comment on the top quality narration Oh, it was excellent. I, I think really it was uh, incredible material. Uh, I was mediocrely read, but I mean, the material was excellent. Um, I'm sure you did a wonderful job. You know why? Because you, sir, have a voice and face for radio. Sometimes you're irrepressible. Sometimes you're irredeemable. I got to keep the name. If I don't, I you know what happened? It'll lapse and someone else will take it. That's how that That's works. Right. Yeah. Get, That's why you have 17 Captain Marvels now. Go into the public domain. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, any other sort of comments on these stories or more broadly, what you've learned about these overlooked gems? I feel like I've learned a little bit of comic book, uh, a corner of comic book history that I never looked into before. Like I, like I'd been in the room and I'd looked at all, th- you know, three of the four corners before, and I never took time to look in this one. And now I'm glad I have, and I will give those text stories in whatever comic I come across uh, more of my attention. I mean, if they suck, I'm going to bail. But lower, I, uh, lower your lower your expectations. <laughs> and, uh, you shine a spotlight on a little <laughs> thought of area of comic history, and I'm glad you did. You know, you're being positive and nice, so I think it's probably time to wrap this up. Okay, so... That's fair. <laughs> thanks for coming. It is... No, I was going to joke and say, well, it's often a pleasure to speak with you, but it is always Aww. a pleasure to speak with you. Let our lovely listeners, as if they don't know already, where to find your excellent podcast work. Well, thank you so much. And Alan, it is 
such a joy to do this. I miss you. I, I mean, all the jokes, all the irredeemable, all that crud aside, I miss you, man. I always have such a great time. We hang out. Uh, I love your family. It's uh, you're you're a real true podcasting friend, and uh, and I've missed you, pal. Haven't seen you in over a year, year now, almost two years now, uh, actually. So, off mic, you mentioned that maybe you might be going in 2024. Maybe you're maybe scouting at Baltimore, which I'm is hoping. definitely good because then in that case, I'll I'll probably be at Heroes Con if, if perfect, perfect good. that. I'm glad, glad we could coordinate that. It would be embarrassing if we ended up at the same place. Here I am saying all these nice things, and you gotta just. I, I, know, I, I, I felt the uh, sad sack drive of the the jeep over me, bump bump, and I felt that. So, but Gallifrey will happen again. <gasps> wonderful! That's my had, commit. Will happen one day. We had so much. See, that's when you got to quote the first doctor. One day I will come back. Yes, I will come back. So you got to learn that speech. But either way, um, this has been a real blast. I appreciate it. And if people do want to hear more of me, because I mean, let's face it, who wouldn't? Uh, you can find me over on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I am on shows such as Once Upon a Geek, which is my show where I get to talk about anything I want, uh, as long as I'm finding my joy doing it. I am currently on the Justice League International Bwahaha Podcast, which is beginning its long wind down after eight mm. years. We started with a mission, and we are about to finish it. So that show will end in the summer of 2024. Uh, and at that time, I will ramp up my coverage of Justice Society Presents. We'll start covering a whole bunch of Justice Society comics from the 1990s and the 2000s. Isn't it nice to have wrapped something up or approaching wrapping something up? It's incredibly satisfying. I like, you know, halfway through, I thought I'm never going to see the end of this. I'm going to pod fade. I'm going to die before this ends. And now like next month, I'm recording the final issue of the Justice League that Giffen and Dimenteus wrote. Now I've got more to cover after that, but uh, it's the, wow, it's just shocking. Absolutely shocking. Folks, I've had over a hundred different guests on that show, on the Justice League International podcast. And one of the very first people I ever invited was Professor Allen. And you know what he said? He said, nah, I'm good. And literally has never been on the show, even though I've invited him multiple times. And now you've missed your chance, sir. I was waiting maybe to the end. Maybe you'd come crawling back. And <laughs> It's been booked up for too long, sir. I'm sorry. I literally. <laughs> Problem is you, you put a lot of pressure on it. First of all, you have the guests and you have them say, why do you love JLE so much? And I kind of like it. That would have been fine. That's an answer. I didn't feel qualified to love it enough. And you have only a few times scraped the bottom of the barrel. I did have Nathaniel Wayne on once. You're right. See, so. (laughs) (laughs) That has actually been a fun show in that. I mean, have you purposely not had repeat guests or very few repeat guests? I've had a few repeat guests. Not many. Not many. Um, Not many. Not many. You seem to have gone out of your way to really to really reach out and that's 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 one thing about you that's commendable <laughs> that show has helped me make a lot of friends uh people that i've yeah. now met because of that show i've met in real right. life now and they, they've also become friends so it's been really wonderful there you go well it is good to speak with you thanks for coming thank you so much for having me and listeners thank you for coming I would love to hear from you about this episode. We value your comments and appreciate your listenership. And like I said at the start of the episode, all that time ago, 
I plan to cover feedback at the start of next episode, episode 8. That feedback can be sent via email at relativelygeeky at gmail.com, or as a comment on the Twitter or Facebook post for the episode, or directly on the blog. The blog is at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. The song played in this episode was Feel Good by Broke for Free, which I downloaded from free-stock-music.com. And I'm including in this episode via the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 Unported License. All are welcome. Thanks for listening, and take care. You know, as a moderator, you can mute you, me. You from so. here? Okay, perfect. Try dream come true. And, <laughs> and, and remember, if you're bad, I can put you in a breakout room. I can put you in a breakout room. If I need to. Then I get to talk about Sad Sky for like two hours and nobody interrupts me. <laughs> Which I could do. All right, Shag. Now, wait, no, no, wait, wait. Actually, I have an off-air yep. question.